good morning and happy Valentine's Day you know it, it's funny Mark came into my office during the week and he says so are you ready for Sunday and I said I think so he said your me message all written I said yep I think so any good hope so he said you know it's Valentine's Day on Sunday I said yeah I better know that might be a good idea to work the topic of love into your message after he left my office, I realized, didn't he just finish a six-week series on love? That ended last Sunday with God's love for us is eternal? If you figure out a way how I can preach on a love that's bigger than God's eternal love, you let me know. But to honor Mark, because I love him dearly and respect him dearly, to honor him, my prayer is that all of you love this morning's message. Okay? <laughs> So, it's great to see your faces this morning. You know, the last time I preached, it was to an empty sanctuary and to a camera lens at the back wall. So, to see all of your faces this morning, even though we're not at capacity, to see all your faces is just really, really special for me. You know what? So special, if you wouldn't mind, just for this morning, would you just please rise to your feet as we prepare our hearts for God's Word, please? If you're able. If you're not able, go ahead and stay seated. Um, maybe as you stand here, what, what, actually what I'd like to do to, to, this morning is speak to those of you who sense that you have been uniquely created by God, uniquely created and called to do something significant. Maybe it's something important, something that makes a difference, something eternal. And as you stand there, maybe you sense it's something big, something unique. But you're really not quite sure what it is, and you really don't know where to start. I, I want to share a verse with you this morning that I pray lands directly in your spirit and fans your faith to know that you, in fact, are cre uniquely created by God for His glory, and you are called to make a difference in this world. It's Ephesians 4, 1. This is the Apostle Paul. He's in a Roman prison. Okay, it's more like a Roman house arrest. It's probably AD 60 or 61. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus and he says this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Can, can you sense Paul's emotion there? I beg you. The NIV transla translates that, I urge you. The New American Standard, I implore you. The King James, I beseech thee, right? To lead a life, this one and only life that God has given you, worthy of the calling you have from Him. So the message... The title of my message this morning is, God, are you calling me? And the answer is yes, God is absolutely calling you. And he's calling you, again, for his glory and to make a difference in this world. So Father, 
by the power of your word and the presence of your spirit. God, I pray that you would stir up your church. Stir up your church so that we would sense the divine calling you have put on each and every one of us, God. And in your church and as your church, God, uh, prompt us to not only make your name known in this world, but to make a difference in this world. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So in our culture today, a culture that you might call Instafluence. Instafluence, where you can get TikTok famous overnight, right? You go viral overnight, unless, of course, you're me. My daughter already tried to teach me that. She said, Dad, you don't have enough talk in your tick to get you anything except a trip to the emergency room. <laughs> so, so I dropped that. I lost my face. No, I didn't. So we do live in an era where people are obsessed with building their own personal brand, securing like their side hustle, making a name for themselves, becoming an influencer. What I'd like to do is I'd like to reclaim the ancient language or the sacred language of calling. The, the, the word calling, the original Greek root word for calling, is um, it, it's extremely significant in the New Testament, and the word is called kaleo, K-A-L-E-O, and it means simply to call. But then it's, a, it's the root word of 15 or 16 other very significant words in the New Testament. There's kalesis, which means calling. There's kalitos, which means called. There's paraclete, which means uh, the comforter, picture of the Holy Spirit, right? Then there's parakletos, which means the advocate or the intercessor, kind of a picture of the Spirit of God. And then there's ekklesia. Okay, these all come out of kaleo. Ek means out of. Klesia means came from. So church, we're, we're the called out ones. We're not called into a church building. We're called out into the world to make a difference. And when you think about it, if you think about it and you really internalize it and make it personal and, and you identify with the fact that you have been chosen by God, you have been called by God, you have been empowered by God, you have been infused with the Holy Spirit to make a difference in this world, adds a little weight to your day today, doesn't it? That's what we're called to do. So you might say, if, if God has called me to do something, What if I miss my calling? Have you thought, ever thought of that? What if, what if I miss my calling? What if I was supposed to get a master's in divinity and instead I got a master's in Bible and theology? Now I'm not prepared for what God might bring my way. Or maybe I went to the wrong church. I heard the wrong message. Now I don't speak in tongues. I've never cast out demons. And to me, a prophet is just that. When you make more money than you spent, you made a prophet, right? Now God is super ticked off at me. What if I miss my calling? You see, if calling is all about doing it's going to get vague and very, very, very confusing. If God is calling me, maybe he's chosen me for something special. Maybe he, something big. Maybe something meaningful. What if I miss my calling? I'm so confused. What I think we really need to recognize is what God's call is. And we need to recognize the possibility that maybe God's call first is to a who, 
not to a do. God first calls us to a who before he calls us to a do. Now, this is super, super important, church. The Apostle Paul, again, in a Roman prison, but this time, this time he's not um, under house arrest. He's actually in prison under the Emperor Nero, and he's waiting for his execution. Okay, and um, he writes to Timothy. He's kind of given last words to Timothy, and, um, and he says this. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. God saved us and called us to live a holy life. Let me tell you what he didn't say. He didn't say, for God saved you and called you to be, become an Instagram influencer. He didn't call you and save you to become a worship leader, a te- teacher, actor, race car driver, or rodeo clown. He definitely didn't say, Grant, I saved you and called you to be an NBA all-star. Not going to happen. That's not what he called me to do. He calls the who before he calls the do. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. Not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan before the beginning of time to show us grace through his son, Christ Jesus. So he calls a who before he calls a do. God calls us to live a holy life. So what does a holy life look like? Well, the biblical term holy means that which God has separated from everything else and chosen to devote himself to. That's holy. So we have been separated, set apart, and God chooses to devote himself to us. Now, when, when um, when you think about it, so when you follow Christ, when you follow Christ, you don't look like the world. You don't act like the world. You don't, you don't think like the world. You don't uh, uh, behave the same way the world behaves. You're not driven by the things that drive the world because you've been set apart by God. You've been called by Jesus. You have been infused with the Holy Spirit to live a holy life and make a difference in this world. It's kind of crazy to me that when you do read Scripture, it really never talks about your calling as a career. It talks about your calling to become more and more like Jesus. So it's a who before it's a do. So when you recognize that you are called by God, the better question is who is God calling me to become? Because as I said earlier, if the calling is only a do, then it gets really vague and it's hard to understand and it's difficult to fulfill that calling. So let me unpack this for you a little bit. I'm going to ask all of you a question. It's just a simple question. All you have to do is answer it, okay? How many of you might suggest that I was called to serve God here at Quail Lakes Baptist Church? Just raise your hand if you think that's the truth. Okay, not everybody is raising their hand. That kind of hurts my feelings. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is I do believe I am called here to Quail Lakes Baptist Church to serve God and to serve all of you. But then this creates a tension. And the tension is, I'm also called to be the very best husband I can to my wife, Lisa. But that calling requires a different skill set and a different, uh, different methods of expression, right? So let me give you an example. Um, how many of you actually think I'm called to be the best husband I can be to my wife? Raise your hand. Okay, now everyone raises their hand. That's ridiculous, guys. <laughs> Okay, so, for instance, let's, let's say Lisa and I, we have this intense, constructive conversation. 
It's called an argument. That's preacher talk for an argument, okay? So say we have this, this um, intense, constructive conversation, and as I sense that it's coming to an end, I say, honey, honey, stop. Do you see your errant sin? I hope you see your sin and your need of repentance. As your husband and as your pastor, let me help you call out on the name of Jesus for forgiveness. On the count of three, honey, ready? One, two. If I get to three, I'm going to be the one repenting of my sins, calling out on the name of Jesus, as well as an ambulance to take me back to emergency room, right? That, that is not going to be an effective way of communicating. Uh, being a husband to my wife requires a different skill set and a different method of expression. So, called to serve God here, called to, be, uh, to love my wife the way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. And I do, because that resulted in four kids, okay? And they call me dad, daddy, and pop. Are I not also called to be the best father I can possibly be? No, we're going to make mistakes, but aren't I called to be the best father I can possibly be? So I'm called to serve God here, I'm called to uh, serve my wife, and I'm called to be the best father I can be. Those are three different callings that are all grouped into what I think is a holy life, and yet I'm the same person, it's just different skill sets and different methods of expression. Now, what I pray you will recognize in your own life is that who you are is way, way, way more important to God than what you do for Him. So, Sam, Sam, a good pastor, I work really, really hard, and yet I'm not living a righteous life. I'm not living a holy life. I'm not living a life that's been set apart, not trying to make a difference in this world. Then I'm not fulfilling my calling. I can be super successful and say business, okay? But if I'm not loving my wife the way Christ loved the church, I am not fulfilling my calling. I can be a pastor and work super, super, super hard, but if I am neglecting my family at home, if I am not engaging my kids the way a father should engage his kids, I am not fulfilling my calling. Calling is not about something important God wants you to do in the future. Calling is about your faithfulness to Jesus today. It's about who you are today in Christ and not about what you, just what you do for Christ. The Apostle Paul, again, writing to the church in Colossae, uh, he says something that, that when I really read the Scripture and sit there and let it sink in, it really ministers to me, and he says this in Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. So see, calling isn't about the specific task that God has, it has for you. It, it starts with the who. And when you're holy and you're set apart by God and whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God, you are fulfilling your calling. Now, I want to show you a couple examples in Scripture. Um, not only are they powerful, but they have tremendous comedic potential. Okay, let's just put it that way. The first is the end of Mark 10. You guys know the story. There's these two brothers. You know, it's like James and, and John, the sons of Zebedee. I sure am glad my name's not Zebedee. But anyway, the sons of Zebedee, right? And they want to ask God for a little tiny favor. You know, they're, they're over here in the corner, and they're saying, no, you ask him. No, you ask him, man. No, you. Here he comes. Here. Hey, Jesus. Jesus. What's up, guys? Uh, we got a little favor to ask you, if you don't mind. Okay, what is it? 
So when you are ruling on your throne, in your glory, can what of us sit on your right and the other the left? Please? We, we want to be important, Jesus. We want to take our game to the next level. We want, when people think of you, we want them thinking of us. Hey, there's Jesus. Oh, James and John must be close. Jesus looks at him and kind of gives him a little mini message. He says, are you sure you know what you're asking? Can you drink the cup I drink? Can you be baptized in the manner I was baptized? And they're like, of course, you know we can. You know we can. We left everything for you, Jesus. If you don't believe me, us, ask our mom. Matthew 20, look it up. Jesus tells them that to be a leader, you have to be a follower. To be number one, you have to be last. To be first, you have to be last. Leader, follower. And I, th I think that that's correct. So it's not about who you are. It's not about where you're positioned. That's Mark 10. Two brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Again, Matthew 20. Look it up. The second story is directly following that in um, uh, Mark 11. Okay? And Mark 11, it describes um, uh, Jesus and his disciples. They're approaching Jerusalem for what we call the triumphal entry. You know, now I can only imagine all of the disciples walking in because this is the moment. This is what they've been waiting for. Jesus is going to come and he's going to turn all these things around to get rid of the Romans and handle it. I, I can just imagine what they were like walking in with. I know what I'd feel like walking in with the son of God, but uh, yeah, Jesus is going to call down fire from heaven. Man, he, 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 he's going to burn up all the Romans. He, he's going to take care of this. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. This is the moment. Verse 1 of Mark says this, As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Olives. And what does Jesus do next? He, he sends two of them on. You guys know that story, right? He sends two of them on. And now, it's interesting that Mark doesn't point out which two. But if I was in that exact same situation, I can guarantee you the two I would send are the ones that just ask for positions of status. Mark, or James and John. And, uh, and he sends the two on. You know, hey, you guys, come here. I got an assignment for you. Can you imagine what they're, oh, finally, finally, he's going to use us. He's going to use us to cast out the demons, man, to, to, to burn this. And we're going to cast out demons. We're, we're going to call fire down from heaven. And we're going to destroy the entire Roman Empire. You know, he's chosen us because of our capacity, you know, because of our leadership, because of our boldness. We weren't afraid to ask him for a favor. And our mom is just as bold as we are. We gave up everything, and this is our opportunity. And this is what Jesus says. Go to that village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back shortly. If the Lord needs it, he'll send it back shortly. Can you imagine what James and John would be thinking? They'd be like, hold, <clears throat> excuse me. Would you say, Jesus? Because we gave up everything for you. We, we'll drink the cup, we'll get the baptism, we'll do all that kind of stuff. You're sending us on donkey duty? 
gave up everything. This was supposed to be our biggest son. Donkey duty? Jesus is like, yeah. You got donkey duty. So, these two disciples were about to learn that the size of their task did not determine the significance of its impact. The size of your task never determines the uh, significance of the impact. Just like a little shepherd boy took one small stone and determined that one rock could bring down a really, really big giant. Or, or one young boy in the New Testament who took his Lunchable, right? Gave it to Jesus, and Jesus took what seemed to be small and insignificant, and he used it to feed 5,000 men and their families. The size of your task never determines um, the depth of its impact. See, God chooses you. He sets you apart. He calls you. And when, whenever you do, whatever you do for him, even if it's donkey duty, if you do it with passion, faithfulness, and integrity, and you do it all for the glory of God, in the name of uh, Lord Jesus, you're fulfilling your calling. It's so much more about who than it is due. Those two disciples who were seeking recognition had no idea that they were delivering the donkey prophesied in Scripture that Jesus rode to fulfill his calling. The size of your task never determines the depth of its impact. So you want to find your calling? Start with who? When it's not about your name, when it's not about you, when it's not about your status or your position, but it's all done for the glory of the Father, and it's done in the name of Jesus Christ, those meaningless little tasks become magnificent tasks if you look at it that way. And serving Christ, even if it's donkey duty, you are serving the one whose sacrifice gave you new life. So we're called to a who before we're called to a do. If you're on track with a who, you don't have to find do. The do finds you, trust me. He will drop it right at, at your feet. And it reminds me of an encounter I had that was actually about six months ago. It was when I preached in an empty sanctuary to a camera in the back. When, we got, when I got home, Lisa, she looked at me and she said, Honey, you look exhausted. I said, Well, I'm tired. And she said, Well, you don't have to go to Walmart. I said, No, 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 I'm going. She said, No, you don't have to. You look tired. I said, No, honey, if ministry ever prevents me from doing the things that I do, that I always do, then I need to reassess how I'm manage, managing my time in ministry. So I said, just let me go upstairs. And I took the hot pink pants off that Lisa bought me, and I put the hot pink shorts on that my sister Marguerite bought me, and off to Walmart we go. Um, we do our shopping, and like I said, that's a date. You know, okay, so we just got back from Puerto Vallarta. That's like a major date. That's kind of like Isaiah, Elijah date. Walmart, more of like a Obadiah, Habakkuk, you know, but it's a date. It's what we do. She pushes the cart, and I try to run ahead of her, like three aisles ahead of her. Okay, what do you need from paper? What do you need from here? It's a date. Okay, as, as sad as that sounds, it's our date. And uh, so we finish shopping, and we're leaving Walmart. And as we're leaving, you know, I look down, and there's, there's a blind guy. 
And he's on his hands and knees, and he's looking for something. You know, I kind of look around, and no one's doing nothing, you know? And I was like, um, I just looked. I saw what he was looking for, and I picked it up. It was an energy drink. Either someone knocked it out of his hand, or he dropped it. You know, and I, I said, I think I found what you're looking for. He said, good. I said, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's not all good. There are two pinholes in it. If I was you, I would drink it now. He said, good idea. And so I take a picture while he's drinking it. The only reason he could drink is, you know, the face shield? His was like magic or something because it had turns halfway around the face. So his right ear was protected from COVID, but his face and everything else not. So he's drinking the thing. I take a picture of it, and then I ask him, hey, where did you get this? And he, he says, he treats me like I'm the idiot now. He says, in the store? And I'm like, I know in the store. Where in the store? He goes, in the back. And so I start, I start going back into the store. And as soon as I go in, I know the back, man. That's milk. It's not back there. And I think to myself, that's what you get for asking a blind guy where he got something, you know. And I start checking all of the refrigerated things right by the cashier. I can't find it. And then I remember, to his credit, I remembered, isn't there an aisle towards the back that has juice and tomato juice and Capri Suns? Maybe that's where it is. So I start heading back towards that area, realizing I am now actually following directions from a blind guy, right? And so, uh, but I, I find it uh, right there in the center aisle. And so I, I grab him three. Grab him three, pay for him, and purchase a bag so they don't get knocked out of his hand again. And uh, I can't come meet him and Lisa outside. And I said, here you go. What's your name? He said, Anthony. And I said, here you go, Anthony. He grabs the bag. He's like, ah, that's heavy. I said, well, Anthony, I bought you three. I only want one. I consider the other two as gifts. Oh, okay. Hey, do you know where Target is? Yeah, it's across the street. Will you walk me there? Anthony, it's 100 degrees outside. Why, why don't I put you in my car and drive you over there? I can't get in your car. You're a stranger. I'm a stranger that you just took three energy drinks from. So I said, what if I told you I was a pastor? Okay, then. So we start walking, and I'm helping him to the car. And Lisa says, no, I, I, I think we're parked over here. I said, no, 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 I think we're over here. And I said, no, I think it's over here. And he says, you're a pastor and you lost your car? I said, I did not lose my car, Anthony. He, he kind of threw us off a little bit, right? But... Um, but we take him, put him in the car, and we're headed over to Target. That's where he wants to go. But you have to ask, right? Who are you here with, Anthony? No one? You're here by yourself? Yeah. Okay. How come? This is the first time I've been out since COVID. Boo. I was like, boo? Okay. Who do you live with? He says, my mom. She doesn't take you out? And he's no, she's afraid of stupid COVID. Boom. Yeah. And so Anthony asked me, so what church do you work at? I said, Coil Lakes Baptist Church. Do you have service? Yeah. Inside or out? I said, outside. What time? 8.30 and 11.15. Oh, that's, that's too early. I said, Anthony, if 11.15 is too early, then you're staying up too late. You know. so, so we leave him in, in Target. Uh, waiting for his ride, and I'll go into the whole details of why he wanted to go to Target. But anyways, waiting for his ride, as we're walking back out to the car, Lisa is looking at me, and she is smiling like the Cheshire cat on Alice in Wonderland, you know that? And, she, and I was like, what, what? And she goes, 
God is just messing with you right now, isn't he? And I said, oh, absolutely, yes. It's exact because I preached on being broken and poured out. And he, did, and he gave it to me. The dew found me right there in front of Walmart. Uh, well, like I said, um, that was that encounter. We leave him there and come back to church on Tuesday. And I have an email from uh, one of the carols, the receptionist. We're forwarding their, the calls to, to their personal cell phones. And I have an email on Monday. I have an email on Tuesday. And, uh, and both of them are from Anthony would like a call back. But I don't think it's blind Anthony. I, I think it's Jim Anthony. So I, I know a bunch of Anthony's. And Jim Anthony is homeless. He lives in his car. Um, he works. He's got a job, lives in his car, and showers in the gym. But we just closed back down. The gym is closed. And I'm thinking, that's the Anthony that's calling me because I told him about Showered with Love. I don't know if you know that ministry, but they have a mobile shower that they park at like four different locations throughout the week so people can take a shower, homeless people. So I think that's the Anthony that's calling me because we just got locked out again. And I'm trying to find him the schedule as to where he can go to take a shower. I think it was finally on Wednesday or Thursday, I, like, I'm just going to call this guy and tell him I haven't forgotten about him that I'm still trying to get you the schedule, and as soon as I find it, I'll give you a call. Well, I call. It's not Jim Anthony. It's Blind Anthony. And I'm like, hello? He's like, hey. He's like, hey. Is this Anthony? He said, yeah. What's up? Nothing. You've called three times. You want me to call? I'm calling. What's up? What time is church again? He said, 8.30 and 11.15. So he wants to go to church. Okay, so we pick him up and we bring him to church. We, we do this like three or four weeks in a row. But then on Labor Day, we're not going to be in town. Uh, my sister uh, purchased a Verbo. We used to call it VRBO until we saw the commercial. And then we realized, okay, we've been saying that wrong. But in Aptos, but, uh, the fires there smoked us out and they canceled that. So we went to Tahoe and um, enjoyed the time away. Come back. Sunday rolls around. I'm in the courtyard and enjoying the service. And Marguerite's sitting next to me, and she nudges me, and she says, uh, Grant Anthony's here. And I look up, expecting to see Anthony Wade, our elder chairman. It's blind Anthony again, but this time, he took a taxi. And I see the taxi driver walking him in. And I'm like, hmm. Go over there and relieve him. And I tell him, I said, uh, Anthony, I didn't know you wanted to come to church today. He goes, I tried to call you all day Saturday, bro. I was like, whoa. I said, I don't have a missed call for me. That's because I don't have your cell phone, bro. So right then and there, I had a decision to make, right? In or out. In or out. Hot or cold, because lukewarm is just not an option, right? In or out. So I, I gave him my cell phone number. And, um, you know, I'm happy to say, sort of, that Anthony and I are friends, sort of. But he has been to church every single Sunday that we have been open. And that spoke deeply to me. You know, um, I don't know where all this is going to go, but he, I mean, he's sitting next to my wife right now. But I learned... I learned that the size of your task doesn't determine how God will use your obedience. Listen, I am forgiven and redeemed from more than I care to imagine. 
But I recognize that if I'm faithful to Jesus, if I serve him with passion, with, with honor, with integrity, and with love, God can take this forgiven and redeemed vessel and use it to make a difference in the world. And he can do the same thing with you as well. Um, so this morning, there's a couple challenges that I'm going to, uh, to issue. Um, my wife is the one that, that gave me this because she, she noticed something. The challenge is to go someplace where you can actually observe people. Okay, You don't have to get close to them if it's in your car, if it's in the mall, where you can just sit down and watch people. Before you start, pray. Pray that God would allow you to see something in the exact manner that he sees it. Not the way you see it, but the way he sees it. And he'll show it to you. He won't show you the same thing he'll show me. He didn't show Lisa Anthony. He showed me Anthony. But Lisa had identified other things. And look at that poor woman. She is so broken and hurt. And um, I, if she put more clothes on, she might not be, you know. But she notices that stuff. And just pray. God, show me something the way you see it. Because when you see what God sees, when you see the manner that God sees, you do what God says, right? And I would love to get email responses from you guys telling me what your experience was. What did you see? What did you pray? Because once you identify it, I'm not asking you to go and serve it. I'm asking you to just pray about it. Just pray about it. It's going to be small. It probably will be very obscure, something that you only you notice. That's, the, that's been my experience. But, um, and the other challenge would be what you heard with a sidelight. Um, I was part of the staff that went through Rooted. And um, I, I think it brought our staff closer together to where we, we, I don't know, we opened our hearts a little bit more than, than we typically do. You know how Christians are so push-offish, you know, everything's fine, I'm doing great, and yet you are broken. And I, I think we opened some of that up a little bit. And, uh, and I would strongly suggest, if you don't want to go and observe, uh, I would do both. It's not that tough, right? Do both. So, we're in the courtyard. They can, you can sign up for Rooted in the courtyard, and I would encourage that. So I'm going to close in prayer, and then the team's going to come back up. But again, I just want to encourage you. It's, you don't have to have this huge task from God to be effective and used. So Father, speak to our hearts today. I pray that you would give us the honor of doing whatever donkey duty might look like to us, God. In, instead of being obsessed with a do, God, help us be more concerned with the who. Because when we have the who right, God, we don't have to figure out our calling. You bring it to us. So God, I just pray in the upcoming weeks, days, months, and year, God, that you would speak to each and every one of us. God, that you would stir us up to seek uh, you know, your divine purpose for us. And we pray all, in, all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.